Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, and today it's going to be another two-man show. I got my buddy Ed Hunt with me today. How you doing, my friend? Good to see you. Good to talk to you, man. Hey, you as well. I'm excited to get into this uh, this show. So, like we mentioned last week, these next few weeks, they're all going to be draft-related. We're going to be going over some conferences and divisions, ranking their drafts, giving our grades. This week, we have both the AFC and NFC North. I'm super excited. Ed, we have both of our teams in here, and we even have Angelo's team in, in the NFC North. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to join us, but you know, hopefully, hopefully he'll appreciate the grade we give them, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. But no, I'm, I'm really excited to get into it, my friend. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, let's get to it. I think we'll kick it off with the AFC North. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Alrighty, brother. Well, without any further ado, I'm going to kick it off with my Cleveland Browns. And before, before I get into it, I'm just going to tell you my grade and then why I have that grade for them. So the Browns for me, I'm not going to lie, the start of the draft was a little bit... I was a little nervous. I thought I was going to be giving us somewhere in the D range at first, but with the way everything played out, I ended up giving the Browns a B minus. I really didn't think that it was going to come to this, but you know, with, with their early picks, they were able to get Martin Emerson, a cornerback from Mississippi State, Alex Wright, Edge from UAB, and David Bell, wide receiver from Purdue. And those are all positions of need, but uh, one position that I, I don't think is getting enough credit is our pickup of Perrion Winfrey in the fourth round. Uh, that's that's a guy that was spoken to have early third, potentially maybe even late, late second round talent as an interior run defender. And the fact that, you know, Cleveland was able to snag him in the fourth was huge. And, you know, this this draft proved to me that the Browns are attacking in win-now mode. They're, they're getting the pieces to you know, get the complete roster. And they didn't They didn't have a, a pick until the third round due to the Houston Texans. Um, and then obviously they're out of the first round due to the Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, but they traded that 44th overall pick that they had in the second round to the Texans as well in return for the 68th, 108th, and 124th. And at first, I really wasn't a big fan of this trade, Ed. I was just like, you know, there's a guy, we, we really need a receiver, and there's a guy, you know, John Mechie's level there at 44, George Pickens' level. And apparently, according to a lot of reports, John Mechie was supposed to be the pick with that 44th overall selection. But, you know, it, it panned out for the Browns. That, that first pick they, they made with, um, with Martin Emerson, I was really confused at first because I thought there was just a lot of depth in that secondary. I mean, you just extended Denzel Ward. You drafted Greg Newsom in the first last year. You have Greedy Williams. You tro- traded for Troy Hill. I was like, you know, why on earth are we drafting a, a cornerback right now? Well, they traded away Troy Hill. We know the injury history with Greedy Williams. So you, you have depth on depth on depth. And Martin Emerson is finally a guy that hasn't necessarily had injury concerns. And every single last cornerback on the, the Cleveland Browns roster has some history of injuries. So being able to have that guy, another depth piece, that and, and on top of that, very, very physical cornerback. I love our corners, but boy, we do not like to tackle sometimes. Martin Emerson loves to lay the boom. And then going to our next pick of the third round, Alex Wright. This wasn't a, I'll admit, this was not a pick that I loved. 
Uh, I, you know, the 78th overall pick, can't be too mad about it, but I think Alex Wright is definitely a really raw prospect. Phenomenal athlete, but still has a, an issue keeping his pad level consistent and really just does not have much of a, of a bag when it comes to pass rush. So I think he's going to be a rotational guy early on, but hopefully we can get him to that next level. And then my favorite pick of the entire draft was absolutely David Bell. I was so, so I think by this point, it's become very evident that Jarvis Landry's return to Cleveland is out of the picture. Apparently, they never gave him an offer over the veteran minimum, which I don't even know how that works. That's I, I, To me, it's a little disrespectful to Jarvis. But then you get, you know, arguably the best possession guy in the draft in the third round. I mean, David Bell's not a guy that's going to, you know, take the top off for 70 yards, but he brings that very similar skill set that Jarvis Landry does that Cleveland loves so much just to be able to get open underneath get open within four yards and get that first down on third and four. You know what I mean? I think David Bell is going to be a phenomenal addition to that receiving core. And overall, I, I, I just love how we attack the draft. You look at the AFC North, Ed, there's three elite kickers in the AFC North. The Browns are the oddball out. The Browns have consistently, week in and week out, been held back by their kicker. If you want to compete in the AFC North, Ed, you have to have a kicker that can make the big kicks. And they did that by drafting Cade York from LSU. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, you look at you look at the field goal he made against Florida, what, like 50-plus yarder in fog? You can't even see the goalposts, and that dude drills it down the middle? You need guys like that to succeed in the AFC North. If it comes down to the last second, you just need to have a dog. There's there's kickers that are great kickers, but there's kickers that can live up to big moments. And three out of the four can do that in the AFC North right now. So Cleveland had to get on the board. And they attacked that in the third round. So just that, that just proves that they are very serious about getting an elite kicker. And Cade York, yes, maybe the, the kicking percentage isn't great, but he got significantly better in his senior year. And he, he's proven to be able to make the big kicks, make the big game-winning kicks. So I, I really did like how the Browns attacked the draft after I saw how it played out. Like I said, it was weird to see them trade away that 44th overall pick knowing how badly they needed a receiver. It was weird to see them take a cornerback knowing how deep we were. Well, they traded away Troy Hill. Andrew Barry knows what he's doing, man. I'm never going to question what this man, you know, after day after after day two, I was like, what is what is Andrew Barry doing? And then he makes that David Bell pick. I'm like, okay, all right, I see where this guy's going. So... That's I'm giving the Cleveland Browns a B minus as of right now, Ed. I would like to see how how the Cade York selection plays out, especially you know taking him in the third round. That could be risky, but if that pans out, that could turn out to be one of the best picks for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna say I th- I think Cade adding Cade York is important. Yeah, I mean Steelers Chris Boswell, Ravens Justin Tucker, definitely definitely an important place to go. Right, and not to not to forget Evan McPherson, the dude that literally said, I mean, I don't know if you've heard this story, Ed, the Bengals kicker, rookie last year. Let's remember, he's a rookie. In the divisional matchup, he looks at Joe Burrow and says, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship, and goes and kicks the game-winning field goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is the coolest thing. I mean, that's a dog, man. That's what I'm saying. To have players that, that have that level of confidence in themselves, you need that, man. You need that. So, B-minus for the Cleveland Browns. This next team, the Baltimore Ravens, there's, I mean, it's, it's a, a, there's a, there's an argument to be made that the Ravens had the best draft in the NFL, Ed. Uh, I'm going to give them an A. The only reason I'm not giving them an A plus is because they completely ignored their number one need. 
I mean, let's let's just go through the first round picks, Ed. Kyle Hamilton with the 14th overall pick, the best safety prospect we've seen in our you know maybe the last two three years. Tyler Linderbaum with the 25th overall pick, pick the best interior lineman of all this class. I don't think that's a debate. I think that's a consensus opinion here. And then let's let's okay let's just get two first round guys in in the first. Ed, they got three first round guys within the first two rounds. David Ajabo, prior to his Achilles tear, was like a top 25 prospect and was one of the most complete pass rushers in this class. And they're able to land him with the 45th overall pick. So with their three picks, they got Kyle Hamilton, the best safety in the class, Tyler Linderbaum, the best interior lineman in the class, and David Ajabo, one of the best pass rushers in the class all within the first three picks and I'm not done yet they got the second best interior run defender in all the draft a technical machine in Travis Jones he fell all the way to the third round there was people saying that he was gonna slip to an early early second it's it's just unbelievable and on top of that they get Daniel Falele a 400 pound I mean 387 but we'll we'll round up to 400 run blocker from Minnesota I mean, they, they killed the draft, Ed. They killed it. And then they go out and get Jalen Armour Davis because that, you know, that, that secondary is very, very slim right now. Uh, Marlon Humphrey being the only, you know, veteran that's, yeah, that's proven themselves. Now you get Kyle Hamilton. You get some speed demons and Jalen Armour Davis. I love how they attack this draft. I think the, the addition to Travis Jones is kind of one that people aren't talking about. They're they're getting so riled up over the Kyle Hamilton, the Tyler Linderbaum, and David Ajabo, which is totally understandable. Phenomenal football players. But Travis Jones is somebody that I've been banging the table for for, you know, the last few months. Since the senior bowl, I'd really say, Ed, this guy has proven to me that he really understands the technical aspect of the game. And the second you plug him in there, he's going to be a legitimate interior run defender. So I, I, I think every issue they had, they attacked it to the fullest. That secondary was so bad. But, okay, the receiving core prior to day one of the draft was already a little slim with just having Hollywood Brown and rookie they got from uh, Minnesota last year. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll come back to his name in a second. But now you just traded away Hollywood Brown, which is Lamar Jackson's best friend and Lamar Jackson's number one target, Ed that is not, I mean, and they didn't draft another receiver. They didn't draft another receiver. They didn't trade for another receiver. That is a very tough ask. I, yeah, I get it. You have Mark Andrews. You picked up two more tight ends in the draft and Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler. But how dominant can your your tight end core be in the receiving game? You know, Mark Andrews, yeah, he's probably the second best receiving tight end in the game. But you can only ask so much out of your tight end. You, you can only ask so much. So if they were to get any honestly any receiver in the draft just to just to put it on the paper just so it was in front of my face I'd be giving them an A plus Ed but I I just I couldn't go any lower than an A because the players that they got were absolutely top tier talent day one starters and they got some of them in the third and fourth round for crying out loud the Ravens absolutely killed it I just have a I have a deep down feeling that man they must hate Lamar Jackson it's like Take away his best friend. You don't get him really any receivers the last few years. And you just, like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think they're, you know, obviously this is a team that loves to run the football. They draft Tyler Batty, which I love that pick. I think he's, I really think that he's going to get some playing time this year. I've seen people say, oh, he's going to be on the practice squad. No, 
he is absolutely going to get some playing time this year. Him and J.K. Dobbins will be a very, very good complement to one another. And, you know, it like I said, it's simply because they didn't pick up a receiver. They're not getting an A+. If they had drafted a receiver, I would say they had the best draft in all of the class. I, I'm going to give that award to the Jets right now. But I, I think that the Ravens attacked every single last need except for the number one. That's enough about me complaining about them not taking a receiver because, you know, as a Browns fan, I'm not too shabby about it. I'm not too upset. But uh, I know I know Pittsburgh, I know, or excuse me, I know a lot of Baltimore fans out there that were very upset that they didn't even make an attempt to go get another receiver after Hollywood Brown was gone. I mean, Ed, do you think, regardless of how great the rest of this draft was, do you think not picking up a receiver was the right move? Yeah, I, I always believe in just going and getting the good players. You know what I'm saying? Just go and get the best player available. There are a lot of receivers that are on the on the board, and you, you think they could have taken one. But, I, I, I mean, they hit, I, I think they're going to hit on a lot of picks. Um, and, you know, there, there, there's different ways to get a receiver. I mean, you could trade for one. Uh, you know, there, there might be one kind of out there. Um, you know, maybe free agency or something. Um, you know, there's there's always there's always a will in a way. I mean, maybe they maybe they go into week six with you know kind of a depleted receiver core, and then you know someone wants to someone says, hey, we're gonna tank this year, and you know we're gonna trade away you know a guy coming off free agency. So there's always something, you know what I mean? And maybe right. next year, maybe next year they get you know they have an opening to get that guy. So um, I, I I always believe in draft best player available. That's just my philosophy. I, I respect that. I respect that. And to come back, Rashad Bateman. I, I mention this guy's name all the time. I don't know why I forget it, but that's really the, the only receiver. But no, I, I absolutely see where you're coming from, Ed, because like I mentioned, it's not like they missed on any of their picks, like at all. They got like best player available a lot of times. But it's just, it, I, I'm going to like to see how Lamar Jackson, you know, plays out with Rashad Bateman, who really hasn't had much NFL experience because he was injured his whole rookie year. But, you know, I've been sitting here banging the table about how some receivers needed to be drafted. Well, it sounds like the Pittsburgh Steelers were listening to me, Ed, because they I, I loved how the Steelers attacked this draft. I'm going to give them a B. I wanted to give them a B plus, but, you know, it's the Steelers. I can't be that generous. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, with the first round, they went with their man, Kenny Pickett, and it seems like, you know, Kenny Pickett was their man from the start. Uh, apparently, they told Mitch Trubisky if Pickett was there with the 20th overall pick, he was going to be a Steeler. And that's also something I, I, I respect about the Steelers organization is telling your guy coming in, hey, there's a legitimate chance that we're drafting a guy in the first round this year. So I, I, I respect that from the Steelers organization. And then on top of that, they got the dude that I was just in love with, and that's George Pickens. Bring in the AFC North en energy, man. I mean, I, I am so excited to see how this guy works out for you. And then DeMarvin Leal is, is a player that I have, I guess, a little bit more concerns about than you and Angelo do. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to trust Angelo. I'm going to go with what he says. I really do think that he can be that replacement for Stefan Tuitt, who's likely going to be gone after this year. Angelo is going to hate me for saying this, but I liked DeMarvin Leal in college because he was able to move from defensive tackle to defensive end. If you're bringing that skill set to the NFL and it does translate, that's, I mean, that's, that's a double plus, right? And then I have to throw this out here. You drafted Connor Hayward. Now you guys have four sets of brothers on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just, I think that's the coolest thing ever. Four sets of brothers. I've never heard of that in any sport ever in my entire life. The Pittsburgh is for the family, you guys. <laughs> but, yeah. 
I love the moves you guys made with the receiving core because you never want to lose a guy like Juju Schuster. I know people are like, oh, he's not a number one receiver. I think we know that. But Juju was a fantastic number two, and he's that third down reliable guy. It's never fun to lose a guy like that. And the fact that they went out and got George Pickens, got Calvin Austin, I mentioned this on one of the last shows, you now have an unreal amount of versatility in that receiving core. I really think there's about like four different types of receivers in the world, Ed. There's your big body kind of, you know, 50-50, jump up, catch the ball, bring it down type of guy. There's Chase Claypool. You have the dogs. Like, I would put Des Bryant under the dog category, right? You have that in George Pickens. You have a legitimate route running Z receiver in Deontay Johnson. You have a legitimate slot guy that understands how to get open in short area in Calvin Austin. You guys seriously have every talent you could really want in a receiving core. So I'm super excited to see how you guys utilize that. You know, just just don't do just don't go all out against the Browns, please and thank you. But the the options are limitless with that. Limitless. And I'm excited to see how a young guy like Kenny Pickett does with that many options. And let's not forget you guys have Najee Harris. You guys have a fantastic run game. You have a, a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I really think Kenny Pickett's going to be throwing the ball a lot if he get I mean, whatever quarterback's starting for you guys. And I, I there's been trips that oh I think the Steelers are going to you know go back to the running team. This no I think the Steelers are going to be throwing the football. Maybe it's not you know 25 yards downfield, but underneath you guys are going to be terrifying. I mean terrifying, and I hate to say it. I really hate giving you guys your credit, but I absolutely have to right now. Yeah, so, I mean, the big thing, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of bust potential with George Pickens. I mean, I just, I worry about that pick. But, I mean, he is, you know, in 11 personnel, he's pretty much a starter. You know, I really like the Calvin Austin pick. I mean, that's that's definitely, that gets your slot guy. I mean, he's kind in a way, he's not going to be your replacement for Juju. But, I mean, he's going to mm-hmm. play that role that Juju can play uh, in the slot. Um, and I think he gets on the field pretty early for a fourth-round pick. Connor Hayward is definitely a pick I like. You know, just being, just being that H back. Um, you know, Gentry, Gentry and Fryermuth, they're going to be your top two tight ends, and Fryermuth mm-hmm. is going to be on the field. Yeah, and, and and I think ultimately, I think you just you you, you I th- I think Kenny Pickett should study his playbook, and I think they should give him as many snaps as they can going forward. And I I, I really think he should all ultimately be your day one starter. And I think I think you should just go with him. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to go with four corner quarterbacks. I think maybe you – I'm kind of hoping that this young kid, um, the small school kid, uh, you know, beats out Mason Rudolph. You know, they shows enough potential yeah. that they can carry him. Um, and maybe, you know, Mason Rudolph gets traded and, um, you know, to a team that needs a backup. So Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, Ed, I'll admit, at first I was – I was really thinking, like, I just think Malik Willis should have been the pick, but the more and more I think about it, for what the Pittsburgh Steelers are, I think Kenny Pickett's the guy. I really do. Uh, I, I'm not saying that I think he's going to be, like, phenomenal in the NFL. I don't. I truly don't know how he's going to be in the NFL. But for what the Pittsburgh Steelers are, I love the pick, man. I, I, I actually do. And I know draft night, I was like, man, you're really going to pass on Malik Willis? But... I the more and more I think about it, I I just think that was absolutely the right move for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I hate saying that. I hate giving you guys your credit. I hate how much I like everybody in the AFC North draft pretty much. But um, that's you know I'll I'll have to admit to it. I think that was absolutely the right pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just I truly love to see players that 
want to succeed for themselves. You know, like the the, the day after this guy was drafted, Ed, he's down in Pittsburgh with with um who was it Presley Harvin, I believe, and he was doing community service work already. The day after he was drafted, Ed, I I, I love to see that and. Yes, he's a Pittsburgh Steeler, but man, I'm always rooting for players like that. So as long as he doesn't ball out against my Brownies, I'll, I'll give him his pass, and I hope he does well in the league. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, you know, sometimes we, we we put the word like upside, and sometimes the the guys who we don't think have the upside really do have the upside. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, this is the thing I've learned about drafts is that you really just never know how a guy is going to Mm -hmm. develop like there's i mean we we make a prediction within what we think is going to happen but i mean we can tell you what kind of prospect a guy is but really you never know exactly what he's going to turn out to be absolutely and you know a guy that i would highly recommend everybody you know if, if you're a big nfl draft person jordan palmer uh brother of carson palmer phenomenal football brain and this guy's talking about you know what you need what he believes is the most important traits in a quarterback. And, you know, he says you need a guy that can create his own confidence and succeed in any situation. And I really think that Kenny Pickett brings that level, that you, that the level of confidence and just the mental aspect that you need of a starting franchise quarterback. And that's, that's, that's something that people kind of like, oh yeah, Malik Willis can make these big throws and do all this and stuff. People forget to talk about the leadership aspect, the the mentality aspect, is what Joe Burrow has, you know? The dude just came off of a torn ACL season and took him to the gosh darn Super Bowl, for crying out loud. And that was, that was yes, the dude's super talented, but that's mental right there. That is absolutely a mental game. And Kenny Pickett seems like this guy is going to be dialed in. So, you know, as, as, long, as, I, as long as that guy keeps his head on straight is able to create his own confidence, I truly think he will have a legitimate chance to be a long-time starter in this league, Ed. But enough giving your Steelers credit. I'm done. That's the last good thing I'll say about him for a couple weeks. <laughs> but let's go into the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is probably my least favorite draft out of the AFC North, even though I didn't necessarily hate it. But, you know, with their first overall pick in the 31st, with the 31st pick, they took Daxon Hill, safety from Michigan. Once again, love the player. Absolutely love the player. And then they took T- Cam Taylor Britt in the second round, another safety from the ba- Nebraska. I was a little bit confused at this point, and but it proved to me that Cincinnati is all about defensive versatility next year, and this draft proved it. It's not so, too, too often that you see a team that currently has one of the best safeties in the game go and draft three more safeties with their first five picks. Uh, they, they drafted Tyson Anderson from Toledo as well. But so I, th- I think that proves to me Jesse Bates is gone after this season, right? I mean, there's no way you're drafting three safeties and extending your current safety. It just doesn't make sense to me. I Honestly, the players that they picked, I love it. I absolutely love it. Daxon Hill is a guy that you could plug anywhere on that defensive side of the ball, and he will succeed. I mean, dude, Daxon Hill's so freaking athletic if you line him up wide enough on the edge the dude's gonna get a sack eventually so i is a guy that you can have come down play in the box pick up your tight ends or stay high another player that i absolutely loved was was cam taylor Britt. he has experience at the cornerback position so he can be reliable in man coverage he can be reliable as a single high this guy has sideline to sideline quickness i absolutely love that pick and then, not to forget to mention their last safety, Tyson Anderson. Yes, he was taken in the fifth round, but this is another guy that's going to just bring so much versatility to that secondary. Excellent size, excellent length, and 
excellent speed. I think this is going to be their nickelback guy. Anytime they're in a nickel form, this is going to be their man. And I think they're going to run nickel a lot next year. I really do. You know, with, with these picks, like I just mentioned, I think Jesse Bates is going to be gone after this year because I believe he's playing on a current franchise tag and there's not been any works to extend. So I, I love how they're attacking the secondary right now. They also lost some pieces on the defensive line, you know, such as Larry Ogunjobi. And Larry Ogunjobi was a huge disappointment last year after having a good season in Cleveland. So they pick up Zachary Carter. Uh, I don't think this guy's going to come in and be, you know, that replacement, but I think he's going to be a rotational guy and hopefully be an upgrade, you know, because Zachary Carter is a pass rusher and a run stopper, run stepper. Larry Okunjobi was only a run stopper and he was not doing that effectively. So hopefully Zachary Carter can bring that uh, versatility in, in both aspects of being a defensive tackle. But one thing that really surprised me with this draft, Ed, was you just lost CJ Uzama, a very, very talented up and coming tight end. A guy that I was like 99.9% sure they were going to extend and a guy that absolutely deserved it. I, I think this tight end room absolutely lacks top tier talent. They have Hayden Hurst. I think that's serviceable for a season. I mean, you, you're lucky because you have one of the most talented receiving cores in football with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins, not to forget to mention their backfield with Joe Mixon. But, it, you know, you keep C.J. Uzama, that's hands down top five offense in football, Ed. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I, as a Browns fan, I'm excited to see how that tight end room looks without the talented C.J. Uzama. But Hurst has proven that he's a serviceable player back in his time with Baltimore. But I, I would have really liked to see them take a tight end just because of how, like, yes, there wasn't super deep high-end talent. But once you got into the fourth and fifth round, man, you could um, any of those tight ends you could have really picked. And I really think that this tight end class is getting underappreciated. I mean, to snag a guy like Jake Ferguson, maybe in like the fourth or something, I would have loved, I honestly would have liked to see a tight end picked up over Zachary Carter. I think that they did a great job addressing the secondary, but not necessarily any of their other needs. But hey, they made it to the Super Bowl last year. It's not like they have too many holes to fill. I think I would have given them closer to a B plus if they had taken a tight end. I just think that they built a super scary secondary after having a very mediocre one last year. And that's going to, you know, that's going to keep them in contention for the AFC North. I guess the question I, I would kind of raise is I wonder what Jesse Bates is like. Do you sometimes draft a guy behind a guy to kind of say, hey, you know, like, you know, if you want to leave, like, we'll be fine. You know what I mean? But like, hey, right. this is this is what we're offering. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a negotiation tactic. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. What, what do you think about that? No, absolutely, because Jesse Bates is never a guy that you want to get rid of. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I think they've tried to offer, you know, a long-term deal before the before the tag, and they weren't able to work something out. But, yeah, that's I, – I, I absolutely think, hey, if you want to stay with us, you can stay with us. you got to be team-friendly deal, though. If not, we have your replacements ready to rock and roll, so we're not too concerned about it. So I think that this is them saying that, we're not going, yes, because Jesse Bates is a super important part of that defense. This is them saying, we're not taking any chances on taking a step back next year. If you don't want to be with us, don't be with us. But we're going to find guys that want to play your position. Yeah, and I, I think I think they're not going to overpay for him because they know in a few years they're going to have to pay for Joe Burrow, right? Exactly. So like, so like that long-term money, like if he wants that, you know, big-time long-term money, they, they, they at least are going to say, you know, give us the, give us the hometown discounter. It's kind of the same thing that a lot of other teams with young quarterbacks that are about to get a contract are. You have to make the defense young. End of story. The defense has to be young. 
If you want to pay your quarterback, you have to find young talent and get them before, you know, you have to give them that big extension. And I think that the Bengals have realized that. And they got, you know, two, you take away Kyle Hamilton out of the question. These are two of the most talented safeties in the class. So I I absolutely love how they attack that. And, and I mean, I've said this before already, but I mean, you know, just if you like a player, take them, you know what I'm saying? Like, take your, right. take, take the players you want, you know what I'm saying? And, and if they play a position that you're, you're, is a strength, I mean, you, you always end up finding a, a role and a place for them. And I mean, we know over an NFL season, uh, you know, how injuries can play a part in things. I mean, it, you know, I mean, as you, you know, when you when you get into November and December, I mean, your your backups play a lot. Anyway, your backups, you know, end up being, you know, having to start a few games for you anyway. I mean, this is football, right? A- any kind of like last statements for the AFC North? The Ravens knocked it out of the park. Everybody else, they had a good draft, but the Ravens just they couldn't stop getting the best player available. I was absolutely blown away, and it like we've mentioned it on the show. They're just one of those teams that they know how to do everything right, and it's so frustrating being a Browns fan. But year in, year out, I just have to take my hats off to how the Ravens attack the draft. So that's all I have. Ed, why don't you take over? You give us your grades from the NFC North, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion on you know if I agree with you or not. So I'm, I'm excited to hear your list, my friend. Okay, well, I'm going to first go with the Detroit Lions, and uh, I really admire what they did in this draft. Uh, First is the Aiden Hutchinson pick. I mean, they get a local kid, so they know they know this kid, right? Like they know, you know, Detroit Lions and University of Michigan, like they they know each other, right? And uh, you know, they know a lot about this kid Aiden Hutchinson. You know, I think he's the best player in the draft. I think you get him at two. I think they got real lucky. I mean, they didn't have to settle for anyone in any way. I mean, I, I just to be honest with you, of the three, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, or Trayvon Walker, I mean, for me, it's Aiden Hutchinson. So uh, I, I think they won in that regard, and edge is a need for them. Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. I really like that they came back in the first round. You know what? Go and get the guys you want, right? Like, you know, right. Jamison Williams is a great player. He's sitting there at 12. It's worth trading up and getting good players. You know, you don't have to say, hey, I just got my one first-round pick, and that's, you know, we're done. You know, so, you know, go and get, you know, stay active. Go and get the guys you want. And I, and I, I, th- I think that, that that's a that's a smart move, and that's not always a move that teams make. Usually they say, "Hey, you know, we we, we got our guy in the first round. All right, we're gonna wait a little bit and try to just make a good pick in the second round." So I like I like that I like that thinking out of the box. Josh Pascal, uh, defensive lineman from Kentucky. I like what I, I like him. Uh, I think I know I know that. Uh, Angela likes him. I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is definitely uh, another good pick for the Kentucky Wildcats. I, I think he's like kind of that uh, personality that you want. I think he's going to help you in the run defense. Maybe, maybe I kind of wonder. You know, you take Aiden Hutchinson. Do you want to get another pass rusher? But you know what? You can never have too many pass rushers. And then in the third round, Kirby Joseph from Illinois. You know, this is a good safety class, and uh, Kirby Joseph is. I, I would say he's kind of right in line with that. I mean, um, he's probably not like the number one, but I think I think that's. Uh, you know, I think I think in kind of a deep safety class, you know, get one of them uh, and get them late. You know, I think I think that's good. So I I like I like all their picks. Um, I would say, uh, you know, the last is Malcolm Rodriguez. And sometimes you get these sixth round linebackers, these fifth and sixth round linebackers. And, you know, they're not drafted very high and they're not really paid very well. But they just they just produce for your team. Right. Like they're they're they're, they're sometimes the guys who are like. The leading tackler on your team, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But they're just not, uh, 
you know, they're not, they're not huge. They're not particularly fast. They're not, you know, they're not that, but they just, they just know where everything is. And so, yeah, I, I like that pick. So overall, I think I'm going to give the Detroit Lions an A. No, I, I agree with you, Ed. I think that the Lions had a top three draft out of all of the NFL. And one of those picks that you mentioned was Josh Pascal. And, you know, I'll, I'll, pretend to be Angelo here for a second. <laughs> I loved that pick. I really did, especially because Dan Campbell has such a unique culture. And the dude literally says he's going to bite your kneecaps off. I love him. I love the culture Dan Campbell's building. And if I'm not mistaken, I think um, Josh Pascal was one of the one of the only three-time captains in, in school history. So to, to be able, you have to be special absolutely special to be a three-time captain and you have to be a leader and I think with how the rest of the I've mentioned it the last couple of shows the rest of the league is taking notice to the Lions and the Lions culture change and how different they are you bring in another guy like that can that can be a leader while still being a rookie I love the pick I love aside from the football player I love the human that they're bringing in to the Detroit Lions organization because sometimes it's it's deeper than having the best football players. Sometimes it truly is a culture change, and the, the, the Detroit Lions are so dead serious about it right now, and I love to see this team moving in that direction. Yeah, I, I think I think better days are ahead, and I've, li- I've liked their drafts in the past, but, uh, I mean, they just haven't hit, and, um, you know, so uh, I, I think I – think, uh, you know, I, th- I think I think they're in a good spot, and I think they're a team that's going to start to grow. Uh, we'll go on to the Green Bay Packers, uh, Angelo's team. In the in the 22nd pick in the first round, they got Quay Walker. Not really huge understander of this pick. I, I think this is kind of like a how would I say? It, it's kind of like a height, weight, and speed guy. Mm-hmm. So you know, those guys they're kind of boomer bust in my opinion. At, at 22, I mean, this could be a linebacker that really you know, ends up being kind of one of those blue chip players, but at the same time, he could kind of, you know, be a first round bust. I, I think it's one or the other. I don't, I don't think it's the, the middle ground. Um, at 28, it's Devonte Wyatt. I, I think, I think from a need perspective, I think this is a good pick. It's kind of a top heavy defensive line class. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought maybe they could have even gotten Pittsburgh's guy here. Um, I think there would have been better, better ideas. So that that's one. And then around 234, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. This might be actually their best pick. Uh, you know, I, I, I would have thought they would have went wide receiver right away. But instead instead kind of waiting for a small school guy who, who actually really did succeed very well and was a very strong player. I, I, think, I think this could actually be a very good pick, and I think this is their best pick. Round 392. You know, college left tackle Sean Ryan. I, I I think this is a very average pick, and I don't know if I don't know if I would have picked him this early. I, I think I think that was probably I don't want to say it's a reach, but I, I don't quite understand what their fascination is. In round four, uh, they get Romeo Dubes from Nevada, and I actually really I, I this was actually a pick I really like. Romeo Dubes, I I, I think this is I, I think this is probably like an under. This is a guy who like probably. If they if, if a team took him in the second round, I'd probably say this is average value. But the fact that they got him in the fourth round, I think, is a really strong pick. So, any thoughts? I absolutely agree with pretty much everything you said. I, I the Quay Walker pick at first was like, what on earth are they doing? But the more I think about it, I understand the pick, and I don't necessarily hate it because of how they attacked the rest of the draft. 
they got Quay Walker, who is a tackling machine, and I think they've kind of been looking for that tackling machine ever since losing Blake Martinez. So you get a way more athletic Blake Martinez and Quay Walker. And then Devontae Wyatt, arguably the best defensive tackle in the entire draft. I know a lot of people would take Jordan Davis due to the sheer athleticism and run stuff ability, but Devontae Wyatt brings more to you as a defensive tackle than Jordan Davis does. So I actually, I really do like those first two picks. I would have hated them though, if they didn't make these next three. I agree with you. Christian Watson, absolutely my favorite pick they made. You know how big I was on Christian Watson, man. That was my wide receiver three, Ed. And to get him in the second round, I'm I'm blown away. I absolutely love Christian Watson. And then to pair him with Romeo Dubs from Nevada, I love it. I mean, you have, those are kind of receivers on opposite ends of the spectrum. Christian Watson, 6'4", a guy that can run, you know, run effective routes and still beat you deep. And then Romeo Dubs, kind of another speed guy, but he's way smaller. Like, I, I think Romeo Dubs is like 5'9", or something like that. To have those, you know, kind of another another team that's looking for versatility in the receiving core, and they got it. So I, I absolutely love how they attack the draft after making those first two picks. Had, like I said, had they had not taken the receivers in the, in the second and fourth round, I'd be like, what on earth are you guys? Are you guys trying to make Aaron Rodgers sit the entire year? No, you absolutely had to go out and get him some nice receivers after trading away his buddy Devontae Adams. So I love those picks. So overall, I, th- I think I'm going to give him a B-. minus. I think a B- minus is a fair grade for, for the Green Bay Packers. All right, I respect that. I respect that. All right, we'll go on to the Chicago Bears. You know, so they didn't have a first-round pick. So in the second round at 39, they get Kyler Gordon, a cornerback from Washington. This is a first-round guy, but I, I, li- I like that they get him in the second round because, you know what, corners are just hard to predict. Uh, there's just there's just that, like, boomer bust potential with corners, um, you know, just how far they play from the ball. And, you know, it's just, it's just a hard pred- position to predict to know how good they're going to be. So you get them in the second round, you kind of divide up the risk. And this is a guy who, you know, has has all the tools to be a first-round guy, has that talent level. So I like that. Jacon Brisker, I would say I would say he's one of the top safeties. And I think I think they really, you know, improved. They went after the secondary. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't like the, the Bears draft, but I think the fact that they didn't have a first-round pick, I think early on, I think they do a good job. Third round, they get Velas Jones, Jr., from Tennessee and this is a guy who really he stuck out to me in the senior bowl I think that I think the knock on him is he's old you know there's kind of that shorter window for him to kind of grow and so forth but um this is a guy who I think I think right away can get on the field and then kind of for day three guys you know I, I think I think they really wanted some offensive line help uh you know they take they take Zachary Thomas they take Doug Kramer they take Jatare Carter you know, I mean, none of none of their day three picks really stand out to me. But yeah, I, I, I would say I would say, you know, I, I would probably leave them with a C. Just the fact that, you know, none of the players really like stick out to me. But I think yeah. I, I don't think they really did so horrible. You know, a lot of a lot of average safe picks, I thought. That's fair. I, I'll say this. Their first three picks. I loved them. I absolutely loved their first three picks. I mean, they got two guys in the second round that are first-round talent. Absolutely. Kyler Gordon is absolutely first-round talent. Jaquan Brisker is absolutely first-round talent. And Velas Jones, like you mentioned, yeah, maybe he's a little older. I think he's 
going to be 20, I think he's 24 right now, going to be 25. But that's a speed demon. He, the dude has got wheels. So you, you give Justin Fields kind of a guy that can take the top off to pair that with Darnell Mooney, who's really good at working, you know, kind of underneath and the middle of the field. I think he got a decent receiving core brewing. Now, Kyler Gordon, I, I, this is probably one of my favorite picks. I, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, I don't know how to explain it, but they just feel like such Chicago secondary players. Like, they just feel like they were born to play for the Chicago Bears. I don't know why. But, I mean, Jaquan Brisker kind of brings that, like, lay-the-boom mentality. You pair that with Eddie Jackson. That's a fantastic safety duo right there. Absolutely. Eddie Jackson's a guy that doesn't get enough credit in this league. And so you have a, a great coverage safety, and then you have a, a safety that's not scared to, you know, knock you back into 1997. Yeah, you got Kyler Gordon. Let's not, let's, let me say this, Ed. You know how everybody's going crazy about Ahmad Sauce Gardner not giving up a single touchdown all of his college career? Guess what? He wasn't the only one to do that. Kyler Gordon never gave up a touchdown in his college career as well. Uh, yes, I get that he was, you know, had better corners opposite of him with, with Trent McDuffie, but the dude didn't give up a touchdown, Ed. He, and you get that in the second round. I, I'm, I absolutely loved their first three picks, but I agree with you. The back half was kind of like just safer picks, kind of replacements. I didn't love how they attacked the back half because I don't feel like you're truly setting fields up for a lot of success uh, because, you know, you, you lost Jason Peters and that, that's protecting his blind side and you, you need to protect a young quarterback's blind side. And there was not really an upgrade to that position in this draft. They didn't attack until I don't think they drafted an offensive lineman until this the the fifth round if I'm not mistaken so I I would have maybe liked to see them attack that sooner maybe make a trade to move up and grab a lineman you like a lot but losing Jason Peters is going to be a hit so I don't I don't know how that line's going to look I like what they're doing with the rest of the offense but I still don't think Fields is set up for a tremendous amount of success that defensive side of the football though I do like the direction that they they have taken a step towards Let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, first thing I want to talk about is Lewis Seen from uh, Georgia. I thought this was a really good pick. Um, they've all they've always invested in their secondary early. I mean, that's something the Vikings will do year after year after year. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like the Andrew Booth pick as much just because I think even though they get a first round guy you know they've gotten they've gone after so many first round guys and they keep missing it's mm-hmm. almost like they should probably just figure out that position in free agency but I do like I do like Lewis seen I think that's a nice pick uh, Ed Ingram you know senior bowl guy and then Brian Asamoa I would say athletic linebacker you know guy who can help you on special teams guy who could probably win a job in a few years um, you know you know the Vikings value their defense uh, they show that in this draft. One person that's kind of interesting is uh, Caleb Evans. He's a cornerback from Missouri. You know they value cornerbacks. This is this is kind of an intriguing pick. Uh, he's 6'2", 197. You know, and he you know his athletic numbers were really good. No, I I definitely I'm still kind of trying to figure out how I feel about how they attack this draft, Ed, because it, it to me we talked about it on one of the last shows. You, in your head, I feel like they knew they were going safety first round regardless, right? If you're taking Lewis Seen in the first round, why not just take Kyle Hamilton? That's, that's the one thing I can't really wrap my head around. And so, in, in essence, they could have had Kyle Hamilton or Lewis Seen and Brian Asmoa. 
I know how much they value athletic linebackers, and I do like Brian Asmoa. He's my he's my seventh linebacker in this class. But I just I would I'm taking a a, a kind of once in a lifetime prospect in Kyle Hamilton over Lewis Seen and Brian Asmoa. I know that they love linebackers that can tackle, that are disciplined in that in in the run game, and Brian Asmoa brings you just that. But a guy like Kyle Hamilton that will likely bring you instant success and you can ask him to do a handful of things. To me, I would have liked to see that I would have liked to see that pick made. I did not like to see I didn't like to see them trade out of that. I in my opinion that was one of the worst trades, if not the worst trade all of draft day. Uh, but overall, I I just I was not a huge fan of the Vikings draft. I like I said, I love Lewis Seen. Uh, I like Andrew Booth, but like you mentioned, they just don't know how to hit on these defensive backs early on. So maybe try to figure that out with free agency. I know they picked up Patrick Peterson, but this next these next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of corners on the move. So maybe maybe invest a little bit elsewhere. You know, I, I think that the defensive line is going to need some help in in the next couple of years. I was I was kind of confused with with their purpose this draft. I just I feel like they were kind of like I don't feel like we have too many capital needs you know what I mean to me I think that's that's just not true I really think that secondary took a big step back this year and if they had a dominant secondary that's a team that's potentially making a playoff push I think the Vikings roster is a lot better than we want to give credit for I just I I really thought adding a guy of Kyle Hamilton's level would be able to take that team to the next level yeah I understand that especially them trading back and not keeping their position I mean they could have got him uh I, I I agree with that um and I and I and I kind of I kind of feel like they really they really kind of focus on the secondary and um, you know I, I think I think you know they the Vikings need to kind of have a whole draft approach. Well, uh, I give them a C minus and uh, yeah I mean I, I like the Lewis scene pick but you know after that I'm not as impressed with their draft. Uh, you know I, I think there's some okay picks but. Alrighty, my friend. Well, I appreciate you giving me the breakdown. Next week, we'll be back with some uh, with some more divisions. I'm not too sure. We'll we'll have a talk about that. But today, I, I gave way too much praise to the teams I don't like. So I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go talk to my buddy, my my Pittsburgh friends, and you know, just just trash on on the Steelers for a little bit to feel better about myself. Well, <laughs> I can't let my dad listen to this one because I gave them way too much credit. But. <laughs> But no, Ed, I appreciate y'all as always, my friend. I, I appreciate you giving me the uh, a, the NFC North breakdowns, and I, I hope that you're going to be on the show. I hope we could have the whole gang together next week. I know NFL draft people stuff kind of just comes on the fly. So uh, unfortunately, Angela wasn't here with us. But folks, if you want to find my Twitter, my, my name is at Brendan Bolin, and uh, NFL Draft Blitz is just at NFL Draft Blitz on Twitter. Ed, what is your handle, my friend? And you can follow me at, at NFL Draft Ed at NFL Draft Ed uh, on Twitter. Well, alrighty, my friend. We always appreciate you folks tuning in to our episodes of Blitzcast. We wouldn't be able to do this without you guys, and uh, we'll be back next week, and I'm excited, my friend. You take it easy.